Welcome to the Health Ranger Report on Brighton.tv. And you've heard about these mysterious cattle deaths in Kansas. We've got new information for you today. I even talked to some of my friends who own cattle. And also we're, we're interviewing uh, David Dubine of the Mini Ice Age Conversations podcast. Also, his channels are called Adapt 2030. David Dubine is one of the best experts out there on the food supply uh, grand Solar Minimum, uh, Ice Age that's coming, crop failures. We're going to talk about all that today with David Dubine when we return right after this break here on Brighttown.tv. And folks, remember, there is deliberate destruction that's happening, but there's also cosmic cycles taking place. And these are combining right now to take down the food supply, leading to mass global famine and starvation. This is what we are facing. There is a way to survive it and navigate it, and we're going to find out details on that when we return. Stay with us here on Brighton.tv. We'll be right back after this break. Welcome back to Brighton.tv. Mike Adams here, the founder of Brighton, and we're joined now by David Dubine from the Mini Ice Age Conversations podcast. And David Dubine is one of my favorite experts. I'd love to have him on. He agreed to jump in last minute here because of the cattle mass death emergency situation and, of course, all the arson uh, taking down food facilities across the country. So, David, welcome to the show. It's always great to have you on. Yeah, thanks for the kind introduction. And what we are seeing is definitely a self-implosion. And I would add on top of that, CF Industries also just announced that they're going to close one of their main and largest fertilizer production facilities in the UK. Cheshire is the uh, area where it's at. And, you know, reading through the article, I'm going to be featuring this in one of my uh, stories that I'm working on tonight. They're saying that the reason they're closing it down is because the fuel cost is becoming too prohibitively expensive. But I'm thinking, all right, did you not incorporate that in your long-term strategy when you thought about putting almost infrastructure in play that was going to roll for 50 years, that prices of fuel would go up and down during this, and this well, is the excuse. Yeah, but, it makes but, no sense to me. So no, it makes no sense. It's gone. But hold on a second. As I recall, this was a facility that had paused operations for some period of time in the U.K., and now you're saying they're closing down permanently? Permanently. And there was to blame that it's the largest CO2 emitter in the UK. And, you know, they, they tried to work with it to put them in the Agenda 2030 protocols to try to work with it because food's so integral that everybody needs to eat that they were trying to give them a pass. But suddenly, I guess the perfect storm of prices rising with natural gas and then the CO2 emissions and new targets they have to reach. And that, you know, that is a huge blow to an already incredibly stressed fertilizer delivery system that is being seen globally around 20% or so of uh, needs not being met. I mean, meaning we get shortages is what 20% shortage globally of of fertilizer right now. Yeah. And I got to say, David, this just looks more and more like total economic suicide of Western Europe. I mean, they've cut off now gas flows from Europe. I read that Germany is now down 60%. So Gazprom flows to Germany are down 60% from where they were. And the EU is voting to ban pretty much all energy from Russia uh, kicking in over the next few months. By the time winter rolls around, Western Europe is not going to have sufficient energy to run their industries, not enough to make fertilizer, as you're talking about right now. Uh, I mean, how do they suppose that they're going to eat and, and live and heat their homes. What, what, what are they imagining is going to, to solve these problems for them? Your guess is as good as mine because the way I look at it, I'm coming to the same conclusion. If you think the stock market drop was vast in these last weeks, 
I mean, when it comes down to a point where there's no commerce, no factories are operating, people are freezing to death in their homes and they're choosing to starve to death or freeze to death. And people start living 20 to a room to try to stay warm and pool resources. I mean, that, that's worse than going into a war. And then if that were to happen and more supply lines get cut off and more pipelines get uh, shuttered, more compression stations go offline, then where does that take? You know, this, it is planned. And I look, I'm looking at it in a, a several fold way here. You have to collapse the economy first to get people in order that they will obey authority or put them in such dire situation that they would then rely 100% on the government. And at that point, if you're 100% relying on the government for your food and your shelter and your safety and your family's safety, you will do whatever the regime says to keep that position of safety, including turning in your neighbors, being an enforcer. And I've seen it when I lived in China. It was just out of self-survival. People will change the way they literally are. For, to stay alive with their families versus being one of those chased or frozen out in the uh, in the open wilds, for a better term. Yeah, David. I'm. I'm. By the way, I just want to have a tangential question uh, uh, for you here. You mentioned that you lived in China, and I noticed uh, that your pronunciation of Mandarin Chinese is really, really good. Because you know, I speak some some amount of Chinese as well, and I I, I notice in your pronunciation and so on, uh, you have a really good. Uh, what, what they call, you know, fa in in Chinese, right? Pronunciation of of your words. Uh, tell us about like your experience in China. Do do you do you speak Chinese? Do you read Chinese? Because that's even more difficult. What, what's your experience in that area? Well, I saw the future, so I went out there to study at a university in Xiamen. And after that point, I was helping American businesses find factories that they could produce something in China. Because at that point. 2003, 2004, uh, everybody saw China, but they didn't really know how to get out there. So there were a few other guys way ahead of me, Americans and Canadians. So they took me under the wing, showed me some ropes. And then after that, I went off on my own a little bit, and we were working with algae biodiesel, and we were trying to build uh, plug-and-play one-meter square bags that floated on top of fish farms, water surfaces, because in China, land is really precious. So we were working on building a modular plug-and-play uh, bag floating system on top. It would reduce the amount of natural algae in the pond, so the fish production by kilogram was larger. But we were also using space that was unusable and for another term. But then, you know, if you go to Algae Industry Magazine, I, I did a full expose on my experiences there of what it was to run an algae biodiesel business. And once we started to get profitable and actually produce oil, how it was swept away from us and we were forbidden from doing business any further there. Wow. But that was my experience living out, and that's what took me over to Myanmar and started in the coffee, and that's how I came to this uh, Grand Solar Minimum discussion with John Casey, because I was already in that region anyway, and in Myanmar, they were looking for ways to bring the farmers higher revenue at the farm gate out there. So it was job skills training, plus to try to bring uh, higher revenue to the farmers and raceway pond algae and I was already familiar with algae anyway, but they were so far off the grid that if you're going to run batches, you're going to need tech to make sure that, you know, your, your pH is correct. The nutrients are in there. If something goes bad that you can turn off and, you know, firewall off those different batches that are going through. And it was just too remote to even get into that sort of uh, computer monitoring of what the water was doing and what was happening with water temperatures, like I say, pH, nutrient content. And if there was any other uh, contaminated algae that was in the air that started to overtake what you were trying to grow for spirulina algae, for example. Right, right. No, they need the coffee. 
Okay, I mean, this is really fascinating. I looked at these things as setbacks sometimes, but it realized that, you know, it's brought me right to this point where I probably should be instead of, uh, you but know, you also, being in China. I mean, you, but you know then from this experience, you, you lived among uh, the people of China, interacted with them uh, in business and in culture and so on. How, how long did you live there for, by the way? Uh, about four years. Wow. Wow, okay. Well, that explains it. Yeah, you, you either learn to speak the language or you starve. It's <laughs> what like you got to learn how to buy food and and take a taxi and all that stuff, right? I mean, with the language skills to do all that. Yeah, and it, you know, I was really motivated for the business side of things too because I did see where the world was moving to, and I, you know, maybe I'm good at that as I'm seeing where the trend is moving out to, or what might just in a general sense move to. I saw China as being it, and I, you know, I learned a lot about the society there on what was willing to be sacrificed for a government or society to move and continue operations, if you will. And, you know, you mentioned Europe, how it was going down. And I look at the same thing, you know, the Europeans or the Americans or Chinese, they all operate with, there's a, enough built in loss that there's a sustainable and acceptable loss on population to continue with that continuity of government. And do not kid yourself. You are not special. They will sacrifice you in a second to keep their power intact. Yeah, that's that's really extraordinary that you jumped right to that point, because this is what Europe is doing. They they know that people are going to starve to death, that people are going to freeze to death. They know that the industrial collapse that will be caused by cutting off energy from Russia in particular will lead to mass homelessness and increases in crime and so on. And, and, and they don't care. All they care about is maintaining their own power, no matter what happens to the people over which they want to rule. And, and that is universal. It's not just communist China or the CCP. It's the EU. It's the Biden regime. It's uh, Trudeau in Canada. It's a, it's a universal trait of tyrants and fascists who now rule the world, it seems. Yeah, and, you know, when you look at it, the Chinese were willing to lose 50%. You know, and if you go back there in the Wenhua Da Geming, that's the, the time when the Red Guard came to power and Mao and his gang of four, they were willing to lose 50 percent of the people and even start a nuclear war with the U.S. So if you think that was a chapter of 1960s history that just kind of disappeared, that has always been on the books, always. And, well, you know, the amount of children born during that time, it was so many to try to get ready for the war with America that when the war didn't uh, manifest, that there was a, a huge boom in population at the time. And then that's why the one-child policy started. So then, you know, now the demographics are a little twisted, so now you can have two children. But get that. They were willing to lose 50, 5 zero, half of the population in order to win that war. See this? So to put that in perspective I, on what's going to happen around other parts of the world here, too, what's, what's Europe's acceptable losses? Maybe it's not 50, <laughs> but it's definitely in the, in the high teens or low 20s. Well, the, you know, the globalists are aiming for 90% population reduction, according to many estimates. But, but back to China, you know, I interviewed uh, Dr. Yan Li Meng, uh, the, you know, the whistleblower out of Hong Kong. And she, in conjunction with uh, Liu De Media, they were able to, you know, to get that leaked audio out of the, the southern China generals. And they anticipate absorbing a retaliatory nuclear strike from the United States once their invasion once China's invasion begins and they're openly, I mean, they're just talking about it. Like, uh, yeah, we're going to have to use the military to quell the uprising and the protests because people are going to be starving to death and everything. They just talk about it openly. Just like you said, they plan to lose tens of millions of people, you know, in the Guangdong area, uh, you know, all, all these different regions they know they're going to lose tens of millions. It's incredible.
Yeah, and you alluded to that in the introduction there. This is a natural cycle that's happening, and it would occur. And I've done a lot of the research on what had happened in the collapse of the Chinese dynasties during these grand solar minimums. And the ruler has the right to rule as long as the people are taken care of, and they call it the mandate from heaven. And I think that's a Berkeley current that they've mapped out in the way that the energies move through and power our star and how we go through these grand solar minimums, grand solar maximums, uh, changes in jet streams. I think they had that worked out thousands of years ago, and they put that coin term to it, mandate from heaven. Well, it seems like the mandate from heaven has been or is in process of being removed uh, from Xi Jinping, but the whole society knows it, and they're trying to prevent everybody from acting on it because she is the, trying to buck history to be the only emperor that has not fallen or been overthrown or the uh, dynasty has not collapsed during this grand solar minimum. It's a natural cycle. So then if the Chinese are on to it, trying to retain power and, you know, understand there will be losses through this, then what are the Europeans and the Americans and the Australians and everybody else who has telescopes and can understand what's happening magnetically on the sun? It's like they know this cycle was here. They're going to collapse everything, bring up a new system, but at the same time, they're riding on top of the natural cycle, so there's no culpability. They can blame everything else. They can point fingers everywhere except the sun because that's what's driving a lot of the changes you're seeing. And then you start to you know, do this Rubik's Cube of if you knew this information and you knew the onset of the cycle, it would be intense at the onset. It would really get heavy in the middle. So you're, you're marching into the cycle in the beginning of it. Now what? Well, you're going to really have to start to control the populace far more. And everywhere I look, it's just about controlling population based on losses of food, mainly during these natural cycles. So, yeah, what what you're getting at there is that they know the minute the people around the world figure out how screwed they are, that there would be uprisings and riots and revolutions, if not for the fact that governments are using the cover of monkeypox now to initiate tyrannical lockdowns and control systems and perhaps medical martial law. I mean, it's almost as if COVID was the cover story to build a system of control so that when mass starvation kicks in, which was always part of the plan, the people could not successfully overthrow the globalists in power who engineered this whole thing in the first place. I would agree with that. Now look at how the supply chains have fallen. And in the media now, they're trying to pin a lot of hopes on the Southern Hemisphere coming through to pull us out of the food shortages that are happening in the Northern Hemisphere. Well, you have to realize the fertilizer shortages are going to be even deeper as the Southern Hemisphere goes into its planting season. And Mike, you know, I was trying to tell you a little bit on the phone about the Tonga eruption was one of the largest eruptions ever witnessed. That center ash column went up to 180,000 to 192,000 feet. Now, that's directly from the European Space Agency and from NASA. Now, we're not talking about the full ash cloud or the different layering, but the center column. And one thing, I was on that eruption from minute number one because I wanted to see, A, how the ash was spinning because I really believe the ash is already having a massive effect on those record cold temperatures, record snowstorms, uh, incredible once-in-thousand-year floods that are happening all over the Southern Hemisphere. They can't plant in Argentina on time. They've already downgraded the possible crop forecast. Brazil's downgrading. Uruguay's downgrading. Uh, Australia is getting into the extreme cold now where they're going to lose some crops. It's just that ban from 20 degrees south latitude to about 40 degrees or 42 degrees south latitude is going to be experiencing two to three degrees drop in temperature on average. But that was such a massive 
event that I cannot believe the space station was going around there once every hour and a half, but every time they went by, they cut the live feed. And out of that entire <laughs> eruption scenario and sequence for days and days and days after, there were only like four or five photos released. And that ash cloud, I swear, was scraping the windows of the of space station up there. So the or, hi, trying to hide the all uh, encompassing gargantuan effects that this ash will have on the southern hemisphere coming in. Well, right, right. I think it's gotten bad now. It's going to get really hectic in the southern hemisphere, and a lot of crop yields will not come in. But they'll blame it on climate change, of course. Yeah, well, nothing changes the climate faster than uh, uh, trillions of tons of particulate matter being circulated in the stratosphere. Um, suddenly, the sun is dimmer. I mean, this has happened before in history. What year was it? Uh, uh, the 1815 or 1817. This that was a year without a summer. Tombora. Tombora. Yeah, that's what it was. And uh, but they didn't know at the time that that's what it was. Uh, but uh, you know, crops were failing all over Europe at that time. I mean, I mean, they were in mass famine and starvation just because of that one volcano. Now, as you just said, South America, which is already suffering under a lot of droughts, by the way, then you take away more uh, sunlight energy, which is necessary for photosynthesis, you start getting massive crop failures, but you also get global cooling. So while all these people in the media and the bureaucrats are, are screaming about global warming, what's actually about to happen is, as you say, a mini ice age. And that's, that's the name of your podcast, Mini Ice Age Conversations. Explain to us why you believe that a mini ice age is coming. And I know that this was what was taught to people in the 1970s and the early 1980s, that uh, Ice Age was coming, and then they flipped it to warming. But why do you think an Ice Age is uh, in the works right now? You have to differentiate the Ice Age, like a full-blown Ice Age, which is you know, like the Wisconsin glaciation, two-mile-thick ice over Chicago. We're not talking about that type of event. It's more of a once-in-a-400-year, or if it's in a more intense, it's going to be a wrap of, a series of five of those, so it'll be a once-in-a-2,000-year event. Because there are more powerful, heavier cycles on top that are interlaid with some of these smaller cycles. So, you know, as I was explaining to uh, some guys who were doing dairy, you know, everybody understands the cycle. You understand El Nino and La Nina. That's a very uh, easy one to understand. Ocean waters get warmer. Ocean waters get cooler. That's a pattern. It's a cycle. So is the year, summer, winter. But then we start to get out into these longer cycles, the 11.5-year solar cycle to the solar maximum to the solar minimum. So you're already in that, in that you know, vein of understanding what cycles are. But then the thing that's not really widely talked about is how longer, more powerful, heavier cycles really affect our society. And they're on a timeline as well. Now, the research I did you know, back starting, what, 2012 and 13, I ended up getting with John Casey really early on that. And then uh, you know, I met Pierce Corbin. Ended up hanging out with him in the UK a little bit. Uh, talked to everybody I could in those early days before it was it was even really well known what this grand solar minimum was and what it would entail. Absorbing the information and then forecasting that out a little bit. And almost everybody I'd talked to at that time was saying, yeah, these next solar cycle 25 is the entry into it, solar cycle 26. The world will have changed greatly by then. So rolling it back and then doing the research on what happened during those chapters of history where the previous grand solar minimums overlapped on top and smack in the face, whoa, there was the whole China research that I'd done overlapping perfectly on the collapses of the dynasties. And then all you have to do is go around to these different eras, subtract 400 years, you know, classical Mayans and then different Roman era periods and the Phoenicians. And it just keeps going back and back and back. 
And, you know, the research I'd done was, say, 2,400 years prior to today, about 400 B.C., mapping these back and seeing exactly what happened. And it was always about the food. It was always about the economy resetting. And it was always about population migration. And through these last years, you're watching every single one of those things play out to perfection of what is considered the fingerprints of the grand solar minimum. So we're here again, and now I'm starting to just take a wider view of, all right, now what's going to happen next and how governments are going to respond based on how they responded in the past, and nothing looks really rosy from this point, except you're going to have to be really self-sufficient and, and really start to work with your communities and neighbors, and that's kind of the message I push on the uh, Mini Ice Age Conversations podcast, along with yourself. You know, it's all about getting ready for the changes and being around people you trust. Yeah, absolutely. Uh if if you don't prepare you're going to starve that's that's become quite clear and it's not just theory anymore you, you know we have an infant formula shortage in the united states and uh food inflation off the charts now uh we got to wrap up this segment here on brighton tv but continue with us here david in the extended interview i want to ask you about this mysterious mass death of cattle in kansas and i've got intel to share on that as well but uh, folks you've been watching the health ranger report on brighton.tv be sure to visit David Dubine's channels, Mini Ice Age Conversations, and also he's known as Adapt 2030. Uh, check those out, and some of his videos are on brighton.com as well, quite a few, in fact. So check them out there, and uh, stay, stay with us, David. We're going to do an extended conversation continuing. But for those of you on brighton.tv, thank you for watching today. Take care. All right, we're continuing now in the extended conversation. David, thank you for sticking around here. You, you got a lot of important things to say. I wish I had more time with you today. But I'm sure you're aware of this mass death of cattle in Kansas. Happened over the weekend. Thousands of head of cattle died apparently at the same time. And the official explanation from the media and even from the Kansas uh, Agriculture Department, forgot the exact name of it, says, well, it was heat. Just heat. And then they all keeled over and died at the same time from heat. A lot of people aren't buying that explanation. Uh, what's your take on what's happening? I'm not either. You know, I look at those animals and the same thing in some of these freeze events that occurred during winter blizzards. You know, when those animals huddle together, you're talking about a massive, massive heat exchange going on there between those animals. How much fat is in a cow? You know, I mean, you, look, you really break it down into how much fat's in a polar bear, how much fat's in a walrus, and you just don't see those things freezing. Now, the, I look at 10,000 of those animals died at one time. That's a statistical impossibility that 10,000 would die just from heat. You know, and they, the media keeps going along like we never had hot in the summer, like we all wore cashmere right. so, sweaters during the summer because it was never hot before. It's always hot in the summer. But, you know, when we go to the 1930s, when we the Dust Bowl era, you know, some cattle did die from the heat. It was more of a dehydration than it was from straight heat. But to get that massive of a cattle die-off, the only thing I can really look at, you know, stepping back to a scientific explanation of this grand solar minimum, the magnetic field steps down on the sun, it decreases. And there's different layers within the sun, and they also cancel each other out. And when we get to this magnetic canceling, it has the same effect on Earth because we're magnetically connected to that. Now, during this step-down time, there might be areas of the magnetosphere that would have uh, – a crack for a better word. It was and some sort of radiation would have penetrated through that magnetic anomaly penetration of particles that could have killed those cows. It's the only way I can possibly look at it is something to do with radiation. UVB Whoa. 
I wouldn't say UBC because they really haven't had many instances, except if you go back to, let's say, the Egyptians, pre-dynastic or dynastic Egypt. They talked about an event where everybody on the mountaintops literally fried like you were in a microwave oven. And those Whoa. on the bottom near the sea level had uh, been inundated with giant waves. David, you've really hit upon something. Be a UBC event across the tops of the mountains in a full magnetosphere collapse. But there are areas right now that are showing on our planet. I encourage you to look at SWARM, S-W-A-R-M. That's a magnetic uh, mapping project through the European Space Agency that has her satellites. And they're looking for disturbances in the Earth's magnetic field based on what's happening on the sun. Now, there, if there was some sort of uh, opening within that and a very targeted area, sort of like a laser beam that would go through, it's the best way I can describe it, but of UVB, that could have definitely done something to the cattle because I'm just not buying that they died from the heat. Although I think could buy that they died from radiation, ex extreme radiation expo exposure. You've just given us the best explanation I've heard yet on this, and it suddenly makes instant sense. Like you said, you know, the magnetosphere that protects Earth from the sun's electromagnetic waves, uh, that magnetosphere is not a solid shell. In fact, it is weakening and it is, it's in turmoil. There are vortexes within it. There might be little openings in it, as you said, that allowed this radiation to penetrate and just hit a one, one specific area for 12 hours, let's say. And that could have caused this. You're exactly right. Now, I, I talked to a friend of mine who owns hundreds of head of cattle, and he had already been uh, looking at this mass die-off in Kansas because, of course, uh, you know, everybody who owns cattle doesn't want this to happen. And uh, he and his friends also confirmed that this is not heat because he said if cattle die from heat, they die, you know, a couple here, a couple there. It's spread out over many days. They die at different times. In other words, you don't have a mass death of thousands of cattle just all at once, you know, keeling over from heat. They die at different times. You know, they've got different different levels of, of strength or resistance against that. So he's convinced it's not heat as well. And, and he thinks maybe it was something nefarious, perhaps, you know, poisoning of the water or something. But, but your explanation makes a lot of sense. But if that's true, what you just said, then that magnetosphere could theoretically open up over a city also, like New York City, and it could fry all the humans walking around on the sidewalks. I mean, what, what, if, what if half a city died in one day and just, just suddenly died as not vaccines? I mean, people would freak out. Well, then, you know, how the media would spin it and what sort of explanation would they put for that event? Because in Norway, they had mass die off of reindeer, too, where you get something like 2,000 reindeer that would die in a single event. And so you get these mass die offs of animals that just should not die off at the proportion that they do with the, with the scale of largeness of them. You know, cattle and reindeer, I mean, those are some large hey, – reindeers are not like your little tiny white-tailed deer no. bouncing around your forest. Reindeer are quite large in comparison. So – how do you get all that? And then they say, oh, it was a lightning strike or whatever. You know, a lightning strike jumped through 2,000 animals, and then the bolt just went around this way and that way and hit them all, and they all just... It's absurd, yeah. That was their explanation, that they were all struck by lightning. I'm <laughs> like, are you kidding me? Yeah, so something else is going on. This magnetic anomaly, too, and if anybody's interested in doing a little more research, please jump to look at what's happening in the south magnetic anomaly. So, you know... You could go woo-woo with and say Bermuda Triangle. Well, that's a magnetic anomaly as well at times. And, you know, through history, they've seen things where the compasses go crazy. 
Well, that would describe exactly what we're talking about. But now you're going to have to add energetic particles coming down that would do something in addition to just messing up with the magnetism. So there's huge cracks. And the magnetic field of the Earth is plummeting at the moment. And this is something nobody really wants to talk about is as we're marching forward with these crop losses in a regular grand solar minimum period of a 400-year periodicity or maybe even a 2,000-year event, now we need to overlap something much larger on a cycle in a collapsing magnetosphere across our entire planet. You know, now, now how do you, as a government, say, all right, you know, this is all happening, but please keep investing in your 401K and, you know, go to work tomorrow and please obey the rule of law. Like there's some reasons that governments would not come clean with this. And maybe they're, you know, Georgia Guidestones or, all right, after the magnetosphere collapse, only 500 million people really could exist on the planet because they're going to be running from cave to cave you know, in the evenings to try to outrun the sunlight coming down. I don't know. It's such a a world that makes no sense unless there's other massive repercussion information behind that that's being hidden in the way that everything's being moved on the chessboard out in in the world that we perceive as the news or events that we can see as just the average person that's given information through the news. Yeah, you're you're exactly right. You've really hit on something key here, and we've only got about two minutes left to cover this, but I think there's a a mass awakening among at least many people that the the governments of the world, the globalists are withholding from us some dire information about maybe an extinction level event, something cosmic. And we've all heard lots of different theories. Some people think like planet X is going to fly by, uh, you know, and, and cause upheavals and earthquakes and volcanoes and everything. But what you're talking about doesn't require a planet X. It's just physics. It's the magnetosphere weakening, allowing sunlight radiation to come through that's frying crops and perhaps killing thousands of cows. And if that becomes more commonplace, you're going to have to dodge the sun. I mean, (laughs) you know, run for your life, head for the shadows, I guess. But what's going to happen to the ecosystem, plants and trees and microbes and single-celled algae in the ocean that are the, the, the basis of aquatic ecosystems and so on. I mean, we're talking about a mass die-off of life as we know it. And evolutionary leaps, too. At that level of radiation, you would start to see new species emerge out of the old. With no, There would be no interim species of this uh, evolution thing that Darwin talked about. It would go from one to the next generation as a completely new one within a time span of years, months, or days, however fast something that would reproduce. A fruit fly is going to have a different production level than, say, a blue whale would. You know, but whatever that is, that next successive generation will have that altered gene that will have literally turned it into a different species. You know, Robert Felix talked about that in his books quite a bit before he passed away, evolutionary leaps and magnetic reversals. Oh, really? Wow, okay. Uh, what's the best website where we can monitor, you know, the magnetosphere in, in real time if possible? I don't know. Does, does such a site exist? Well, you know, the, that information is becoming more and more difficult to find. Now, uh, there are some independent researchers out there that have their own data networks, that have their own magnetometers that they've put out. So uh, Blackstar is one of them, Terrell Blackstar. And, you know, Ben Davidson does a little bit of that over there at Suspicious Observers. They have the – and then there's another researcher named Diamond. He has Magnetic Reversal News. And there's a few – sort of portals you can find, like if you want to go to European Space Agency or SWARM, S-W-A-R-M, but they don't update those magnetic models by the day. They do it once a year, or if there's an emergency update of magnetic modeling because it 
the, the north-south orientation switch so much, they need to reorient runways and repaint numbers on runways so right. flights don't crash into the ocean because, hey, wait, it's 15 degrees off of where it should have been over there. So now they need to re, you know, in an emergency fashion, they'll do those updates and they'll go around the world and remark all the runways and repaint them where the, you know, the point of orientation from north to south is. Yeah, exactly. Uh, just perhaps our listeners don't realize that, but the numbers on the runways are the compass directions. Of, of the orientation of the runway. So like runway 17 is 170 degrees on the compass. Um, but as you say, they're shifting so rapidly, they're going to have to repaint all of that. Now we're down to the last minute or so that we have time for uh, for today. What do you want people to take away from this conversation, David? And I know we have much more to cover in the future, but for now, what do people need to know? We do that. You know, we are past the time of getting prepared now that so many things are in motion. And I'm sorry if you can't see it or if your family members can't see it. You're going to have to try to bring them to the table and start a very difficult discussion, although it might be difficult for you and there might be an argument here. You're going to have to be able to present some data to get to say, wait, you need to wait. These things are not – we're not going back to the old world, and it's going to get more intense from this point, especially through the apex point of October of 2024. The very least you could do is start getting gardening tools now because those will be the next shortages coming up as the planting season and the fear just sweeps this planet at the end of the year. And food prices are going to get so astronomically high, you are literally going to have to choose to heat your home or eat. And you're, you're going to have to think about trying to grow some of your own food. And maybe it would work better if you had multiple people in a neighborhood at a community garden working because more hands can do way work, work far faster than, you know, two people can. You're going to have to think of a more self-sufficient lifestyle and getting off centralized system as quickly as you can and substituting those what you consider centralized deliveries that you've relied on. And me, too. Our whole lives, those are starting to disappear. So the less you can rely on that system, the more you are going to fare and positively moving through the rest of this year and through 2024 and then beyond. Okay, yeah, and, and for the record, I'm predicting uh, ground beef at $50 a pound in 2023. So that's where I think it's going, $50 a pound for ground beef. Kind of makes a, a cow like a walking fortune. <laughs> if you think about it, good time to maybe have some of your own cows and think about that. Uh, David Dubine, it's always an honor to be able to speak with you. I love your research. Uh, you're presenting really critical information for humanity. People need to pay attention to you. Is there, is there a specific website that people should go to for you or, or just these channels like the mini Ice Age Conversations channel? You can check out some of my prior research on oilseedcrops.org, but you know, time's so limited and so valuable now that I've chose to cut a lot of things around to give myself more time. Like once we finish, I'm going out to finish up the raspberries. Um, gonna go, I got a bunch of nematodes that I need to spread around because the Japanese beetles are absolutely eating us out of house and home. So I've gone the natural route of nematodes to put in the soil versus spraying. Cause so I'm trying to think in a natural ecosystem to keep it balanced. I don't want chemical. Plus you're probably not going to be able to buy chemicals later on. So right. I'd rather start to work with what I have and. My prior research is there for all to find, and, uh, yeah, the Adapt 2030 channel and many Ice Age Conversations podcast. Okay. Look what okay. I talked about in the past six years ago to where we sit today. We were there then, and we are here now, and you can see if my predictions or assumptions were correct moving forward to data points I had six, seven years ago as to where we sit now, and if it is correct, which a lot of it is, where are we going to go out into the future then? I agree with Mike. Food price is going to go so high that uh, our world is absolutely going to stop because of it. Yep, yep. Okay. Well, we got to uh, 
wrap this up. So, Thanks for your time, Mike. Yeah, thank you, David. Uh, have a great day. And for those of you watching, uh, feel free to repost this interview on other platforms and other channels as well. This is life-saving, critical information. We'll have David back again soon to talk about more updates. But, uh, yeah, uh, if you don't prepare, if you don't learn how to grow food and store food, you will starve. End of story. Thank you for watching today. Sorry to be so blunt about it, but that's where we are. I'm Mike Adams, the founder of Brighton. Everybody get prepared. Take care. Survival Nutrition is our new free audiobook that you can download right now from survivalnutrition.com. In this nearly eight-hour audiobook, you will learn life-saving secrets of how to use food, nutrients, plant molecules, trace minerals, and chemical compounds to save your life, even in a total collapse scenario. I'm Mike Adams, the Health Ranger, and I'm the author of Survival Nutrition. I founded and run a multi-million dollar food science laboratory, and I'm the author of the best-selling science book, Food Forensics. I'm also a prepper, a patriot, and a survivalist. I can teach you how to survive what's coming by growing your own food, medicine, and antibiotics that can help keep you healthy and alive even during the worst of times. At survivalnutrition.com, you'll be able to instantly download the full free audiobook as MP3 files. Keep a copy of all these files on your local hard drive and print out the full guide just in case we lose the power grid. Survivalnutrition.com.